Why, hello there. You are listening to the Aesthetic Vibes podcast and I'm your host, Amy. This is the podcast where we only put out aesthetic vibes. There are too many bad vibes in the universe, so this podcast is dedicated to turning that around and spreading all the positivity. This podcast will focus on all types of relevant and irrelevant topics. Sometimes we dive into the deep and meaningful, and other times they're completely meaningless. But one thing's for sure, you will walk away with a really aesthetic vibe. And I hope I can empower you to build a really aesthetic life. Welcome to today's episode. We are venturing back into the creepy, spooky side. Uh, Today I'm going to cover off some scary things that I really think you need to know. And then I'm going to close out with, what the bloody hell do you do in an office job, a nine to five? (laughs) What do you do all day? (laughs) Uh, And some of my reflection on some of the stuff I used to do in my nine to five. Okay, let's go. So I've compiled a short list of items that in my mind are spooky and scary and I really think you need to know. Some of this stuff was quite surprising. Uh, Some of this stuff I've heard of before. Um, Some of this could just be bullshit, (laughs) which there's an awful lot of that around. Um, But let's dive in and talk about, you know, some of those things that I think you need to know that are are quite scary. So the first is uh, use of paracetamol, so Panadol. Um, and other paracetamol-based medications, if you like. Apparently, consuming paracetamol in large doses can cause death. So you re- you need to consume about 15 tablets in a 24-hour period, um, which isn't out of the realm of weird, right? And if you've been sick, you know for yourself, you're looking for that medication at every point. You know, I've taken it four hours ago. Oh, it's three and a half. Oh, no, I need some more painkillers. Um, but I was actually told of this, oh, God, I don't know how many years ago, a very long time ago. And I was told a story about a new mother. She just had a baby. Um, And she was looking after the baby. I don't think her husband was around. She was looking after the baby. Um, She got a really, really bad toothache. And she was like, okay, well, look, I'll be able to go to the dentist uh, like in two days or something like that. So um, I've just got to get through. Uh, So she started taking Panadol. She ended up taking an exceptional amount. I don't know how many tablets. So she ended up at the hospital and she showed symptoms of nausea, vomiting, uh, lethargy, abdo pain and seizures. And the doctors were very very confused because you know they couldn't identify anything um and in amongst all of this she said look i've taken a large dose of paracetamol over the last you know 24 48 hours so they ran some tests and basically because the paracetamol had entered her bloodstream there was nothing they could do 
So they ended up making her comfortable and um, she passed away. So uh, be careful of how much paracetamol you take. <laughs> Definitely only follow the instructions on the box because hell to the no, I do not want to die of an overdose of paracetamol. Another one I think everybody knows is alcohol. We know it can kill. We know it has long-term effects. But how much do you need to consume for it to be fatal? So generally speaking... 13 shots had in quick succession is enough to kill. Obviously, this depends on your size, gender, and other relevant factors. But, you know, there's countless stories online about young adults or teenagers going out uh, for nights out and drinking way too much, uh, whether that's self-motivated or being encouraged um, by another or friends or whatever it might be, or being enabled by older people. You know, alcohol can kill, but to know that it really doesn't take that much until you have received alcohol poisoning. <laughs> yes, I said it doesn't take that much because 13 shots is not outside the realms of crazy, uh, particularly for people that live in Australia. <laughs> We do like to drink. So yeah, you could go out for a big night, uh, smash yourself with alcohol and you could end up poisoning yourself. So I struggle with knowing that point between really, really drunk and just pissy and having a good time. And I, I, I have it in my head that if I stop drinking, I'm going to go sober. I'm going to become sober. <laughs> So for me, I'm always like, just keep chasing, just keep drinking, just keep drinking, um, which is not a good mentality. And I don't know where I got it from. Probably my early 20s. Ah, that's a whole nother podcast. I do want to spend time talking about and reflecting on my early 20s. I think uh, there's some fun and games that we can discuss. Anyway, let's talk about the next item. I was not aware of this, but if you use bleach and detergent together, so maybe you are mixing the two um, to do some sort of cleaning in your kitchen. If you do this in a confined space, um, it's actually called mustard gas. And this was used as a weapon in World War One. It really is dangerous because it causes shortness of breath and it can burn your lungs. Um, I remember watching an episode of a reality show. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, Below Deck. So they had one of the uh, stews mixing these two substances and doing some cleaning of the crew mess. Uh, and people were entering this downstairs area and becoming really, really lightheaded. They then went and sought out one of the engineers for the boat to come and address the smell. The engineer arrived, had a look around, saw that there was a bucket with detergents in it, got close to it, worked out pretty quick. It was mustard gas. So people were actually entering the area and being completely lightheaded and having to leave and then getting a headache afterwards. So yeah, don't mix those two things. Uh, funnily enough, my husband has, uh, has had a habit of mixing the bleach and detergent together to clean our floorboards downstairs. It's only a very, very small amount, but we didn't know. But what we saw was my husband was mixing and cleaning the floors and our cat would find places where the liquid was saturated. So maybe he'd, he'd use a lot of liquid and he hadn't cleaned all of it up and there was a little bit of a puddle or whatever left my cat would find those puddles and then roll on his back through them and it wasn't until we saw the episode of below deck and we were like oh my god 
the cat is responding to mustard gas. We think that he was just getting really high <laughs> and just rolling and having a great old time. Uh, needless to say, we don't do that now that we know it's mustard gas. Um, and my poor little crack addict cat, uh, yeah, he's not too impressed. He really, really enjoys his uh, little getting high session on mustard gas. Have you ever heard of locked-in syndrome? <laughs> I laugh because a lot of the times when I'm laughing, it's because I'm either feeling really, really uncomfortable about something or it's really shocking. And my response is to laugh. Um, I'm not laughing at this because I've experienced this in a different form. So locked-in syndrome is a condition where an individual is awake but they can't move or communicate verbally. They have complete paralysis of all their muscles in the body, except for their eyes and eye movement. Symptoms are similar to sleep paralysis, which thank you very much, I've suffered from for a very long time. So when does this happen? So poisoning cases where there's a cross in the blood brain barrier, it can occur in stroke, circulatory system diseases, medication overdoses, nerve cell damage, brain injury, or lesions on the brainstem. I couldn't think of anything scarier than actually being operated on or being, you know, having a stroke or being poisoned and having complete paralysis, but being conscious and knowing what's going on in the room. Couldn't think of anything worse. If it's anything like sleep paralysis, um, I've suffered from this for many, many years. I mentioned this in a previous podcast. So those who don't know, sleep paralysis occurs pretty much in the same way. However, you're usually going to sleep, but you feel as though you're awake and you really can't move your body. Your eyes can often be open but you're completely paralyzed. A lot of the times people who experience sleep paralysis see uh, a ghostly or evil figure in the room. It's usually in the corner of the room for me. Um, Sometimes they're speaking or maybe they're walking towards you or hovering over you sleep. For me, the only way to snap out of it is to speak. So I will start to scream. Um, (laughs) I will start to scream while I'm asleep until I wake myself up. Makes for very fun sleeping for my husband. If he hears me making these noises, he will shake me until I wake up. Anyone want to turn? (laughs) I can send you mine. (laughs) Do not recommend. Sleep paralysis sucks. All right, this shit is scary. (laughs) This shit is scary. Okay, guys, pine trees. Pine trees can actually grow in the body. So the story goes, there were Russian surgeons operating on a man. Um, He had gone through some testing and they thought that he had a tumor on his lung. Instead, they found a freaking pine tree growing. It measured five centimeters. So obviously it's not the size of a massive tree, but five centimeters and growing. So he'd complained of extreme chest pain and he'd been coughing up blood. Doctors were pretty adamant that he had cancer. Uh, So before actually removing the major part of the lung, the particular surgeon investigated the biopsy um, and to his complete disbelief, he actually saw that there was a small tree growing in this guy's lung and the coughing up of the blood was said to be the pine needles piercing blood capillaries. They were able to remove it and he made a complete recovery, but this is scary shit. What happens if you accidentally breathe in like a pine leaf. I don't even know if they have leaves. Pine stick. Pine twig. 
pine it's a pine needle isn't it anyway <laughs> what happens if you accidentally breathe one in you're fucked since reading about this this has made me so scared that when we're out walking the dog i refuse to go near bush out of fear that i'm going to breathe in a particle and uh, a pine tree is going to grow in my lungs and i'm going to die um so yeah uh, I do not want a tree in my lungs, thank you. So there's a thing called homicidal sleepwalking. <laughs> I'm laughing because this makes me feel uncomfortable. Homicidal sleepwalking is where an individual is asleep, they murder someone, and then they awake and they're like, oh my god, I've murdered someone. <laughs> this makes me very uncomfortable. They usually have no recollection or memory of their actions during the sleep event so for them they go to bed and then the next minute they're snapping out of it and there's blood everywhere there have been at least 68 cases of sleepwalking murder um, and they've all made their way to the courtroom a lot of the times uh sleepwalkers will do really weird things like they may cook or clean iron um, around the house in some instances they've gotten in cars and driven or walked into the road wandered into the road and been hit by traffic let me tell you about a couple of cases of sleepwalking murder uh, so we've got a guy jules Lowe, and he lived in the uk uh, jules shared a home with his 83 year old father in 2003 his father was found dead in the driveway after being brutally attacked so jules claimed to have no knowledge of what happened um, but there was no evidence that it had been anybody else there was no evidence someone had broken in to the house and committed this crime so jules was actually charged with first degree murder his legal team used uh, some sleep experts to carry out tests to measure jules's brain waves muscles and breathing activity and it was determined that he actually did fit the profile of a sleepwalker Jules did have a history of sleepwalking, uh, but no violence. And it was also claimed that he actually had a really good relationship with his father. On the evening that the event occurred, it was determined that he was in a state of automatism during the murder. I don't think I said that right. Um, <laughs> okay, anyway, let's move on. He um, wasn't conscious of his actions uh, due to the fact that he was asleep and he was found not guilty of the murder and uh, he couldn't legally be held responsible for the fatal attack uh, but instead they shipped him off to a psychiatric hospital so um, he might not have gone to jail but he went to a different type of jail we have another guy kenneth parks uh, in the middle of the night in may 1997 in toronto canada he got in his car and he drove to his parent-in-law's home which is 14 miles away uh, that's roughly 22 ish kilometers he stabbed his mother-in-law to death and assaulted the father-in-law who survived the attack kenneth then drove to the police station and told them he thought that he'd killed someone because he was covered in blood so in the end it was concluded that he had sleepwalk um, as he couldn't remember any details of the event there was no evidence of mental health issues there was no psychosis found just an extreme amount of life stresses impacting him he was found not guilty of the murder of the mother-in-law and acquitted um, of the attempted murder of the father-in-law so Oh mate, Kenneth escaped everything. The third is uh, the case of Scott Falata. Scott found himself accused of murdering his wife. So a neighbour saw him put on gloves 
and roll his assaulted wife into their swimming pool and hold her head underwater. So the neighbor rings the police, the police show up. The police found the wife dead with 44 stab wounds. Scott was in his pajamas and oblivious to what had happened. Um, He was actually not sure why the police were at his property. So Scott had no explanation for what occurred. During the search of his property, they found the clothes that he did the murder in, shoes and the murder weapon hidden in the spare tire well of his car. Suspicious. During Scott's trial, his legal team claimed that he was in a period of his life where he'd had very little sleep due to a whole bunch of other life stresses. So they started examining the facts around the case. And the question was, how did he conduct a murder, take the murder items, including the murder weapon, to his car, remove the tools and tire from his car, and then put the clothes, shoes, and murder weapon into the boot of the car. So he changed clothes and then hidden all these items in his sleep? Uh, sounds a bit sus to me. The courts determined that his actions were too complex to have been undertaken whilst asleep. Just purely not possible. Uh, it's not a routine activity. I don't know how often I've gone to my car, emptied the shit out of my boot, and put other shit in. Like, that's not a common activity. That's something that you do if you're maybe going um, to travel somewhere and you've got to pack luggage in. But it's not an everyday thing. Scott was actually convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. So, sleepwalking murder. It exists. It's real. It's scary. Scary as fuck. Um, I think the common thread is a high degree of stress in their lives. And it's not, with these guys, it was not, you know, oh, just a stressful work environment. It was, you know, stressful work environment, stresses with the children, stresses with partner, uh, stresses with family, stresses with friends, you know, absolutely every facet of their lives. Um, We even had the guy with the sleep deprivation, which added that additional lens. Interesting shit. Have you ever heard of a thing called sudden adult death syndrome? Legit. It's a thing. We have sudden infant death. So I think most people know what that is, but there's actually the equivalent for adults. I had no idea. So this is when someone who presents as completely healthy dies for no visible or discernible reason. It is basically just a sudden, spontaneous death. Um, A lot of the times it's thought there's some link to some sort of heart condition, but not all the time. Some people have literally just died. One in 20 cases of adult death syndrome, the cause of death cannot be defined even after the examination of the body. So if it looks like there is no other contributing factor, they will say sudden adult death syndrome is possibly the reason for this person's death. There's no rhyme or reason. You're living your life fine. And then all of a sudden you just pass away. You can die from drinking too much water at once. According to the internet, (laughs) and we all know that everything online can be believed, (laughs) But a lethal dose of water is about, is about, it is specifically uh, 1.58 gallons, which is roughly six liters. And you have to drink it pretty much all at once for your chances to be successful. So there's a 17 year old football player in America. He drank two gallons of water followed by two gallons of Gatorade during football practice. He got out onto the field, collapsed and um, he lost his brain activity and then died. And it was said 
it was because he consumed so much water-based liquids in such a short period. We also had a woman in 2007 who died after drinking more than a gallon of water in less than three hours. Uh, She was in a competition to win a wee. I don't know if you guys remember those. We've still got one. So yes, I don't know if she won. (laughs) I could find no evidence. I thought it'd be good to round out this list with some of the things that are most likely to kill you in Australia. (laughs) We've got a lot of shit here that could kill you. So let's kick off strong with spiders. Yes, (laughs) we have lots of them. We have so many spiders here. Uh, They're trying to kill us all the time. Uh, In fact, there are over 520 different types of spiders in Australia and most of them can kill you. So you need to check if you've got an outhouse like a toilet outside you always need to check everywhere before you kind of go in and do your business because um, spiders enjoy those types of environments Um, we've had big ass huntsmen here up in corners of bedrooms like and we're like how the fuck did this get inside but they could be anywhere Uh, I remember there was one in our guest room and I put my hand around because I was looking for the cat to turn the light on and I brushed something really hard and gross and I ended up flicking the light on it turned out to be a huntsman like the size of my hand so yeah we've got we've got spiders we've got bugs like just shit that you can't get rid of flies are another one flies oh everywhere you turn they're everywhere you can't get rid of them uh, mosquitoes uh, but yeah spiders so if you ever come to Australia or you live in Australia you'd know um, but if you ever come here yeah be on your toes because spiders are everywhere yeah the next the next thing that could kill you in australia is the heat it gets so fucking hot here um i know there are other places in the world that are you know are hotter or whatever um we get the heat combined with the humidity it's just not great so you know some days in the summer it's an easy 45 degrees it gets hotter the further you go inland and um i suppose 45 degrees for anybody using um fahrenheit is about 120 degrees so it's it's hot you've also got to be lathered in sunscreen the sun really burns skin easily here in australia um just due to the intensity of it so you might be thinking all right, well, I'll just go to the beach if it's hot. The beach can also kill you. <laughs> um, we have a lot of currents, but we call them rips. <laughs> I'm wondering if we call them rips because of rest in peace when you get stuck in one. That's interesting. I need to research that. Okay, so rips are everywhere doesn't matter what beach you go to sometimes you know it could be the calmest of beaches you've ever seen and then you swim out and there's like a massive rip there so yeah they they take you as well I've heard that you're supposed to just go with the rip because they're u-shaped so it'll take you super far out but then it brings you back in I don't know if that's true um, but I think I saw that on like Bondi Rescue or something. Um, but rips are everywhere. You have to be on your wits and be able to kind of maneuver out of them or just go with it and see where you end up. Um, but you can drown really quickly here, which is why most of our beaches are manned by um, surf life saving clubs. 
and surf life savers because um yeah there's a lot of deaths from drowning oh <laughs> that's the other thing uh we have jellyfish uh they will fuck you and your trip up be mindful because some of them are actually deadly the other thing i hate are blue bottles i remember going to the beach um, when I was younger and it was really really hot some days and going and there's just blue bottles everywhere with those long ass stingers that wrap around your legs and shit when you're swimming um wow I'm not really painting a good picture <laughs> of this country uh but we've just got shit that's fucked so you just got to be on your wits right you got to be on your toes the fourth item and my last item on the Australian death list are kangaroos no we don't ride them you can't even get close to them they're fucking psycho um these guys are nasty little buggers and they're aggressive as shit so um if i'm going face to face with a kanga i'm going to run in the opposite direction as fast as humanly possible those bitches will fight you it's not worth the fight (laughs) um and they i was gonna say run but they jump real quick look to be fair you don't run across kangaroos in the middle of the the street unless you're rural (laughs) you live really really bush um but i live in sydney so uh the chances of me running into a kangaroo uh, in the Sydney CBD are uh, pretty much one in a million, uh, even less. So um, I'm not too concerned. But on uh, kangaroos, don't be fooled by koalas. They are also vicious. They stink like piss and they're hella vicious with their long ass nails. Uh, people are like, oh, they look so cuddly. They're not. They're little death traps. So be mindful. Kangaroos and koalas can kill you. I don't know about koalas. Let's just go with it. Let's just say koalas can kill you. Um, so yeah, that rounds out my death list of scary shit you need to know. So as with every podcast, we end on a lighter note. Um, I got to thinking the other day, what the hell did I do for nine, nine and a half, ten hours a day working in a corporate office job? This was an average day. And the more I think about this, the more I think like this is shit that we do that we get paid for. Doesn't this just feel like a fucking time waster? So my day would go like this. I arrive and I get a coffee. I have that coffee, then I have another coffee. Then I review my emails. I reply to emails. And then I determine if there's any emails I need to send out and I draft and send those. Then by about nine o'clock, meetings start. My meetings were usually back to back the entire day, which meant food was really, really difficult. Um, A bit of a stretch. (laughs) So you'd be um, trying to get downstairs to get something to eat. Um, or toilet breaks which were very difficult to get I think now and I I go why did we have so many meetings (laughs) what did we talk about (laughs) for all that time were these meetings necessary I suspect not (laughs) so if the meetings weren't necessary I then ask that were the emails necessary and I found that you would email someone who was sitting next to you (laughs) for the paper trail Uh, so how is that productive If it's two sentences and a question, can I just ask the person who's sitting next to me? So anyway, I've wasted a bit of time doing that. I'll go get myself another coffee 
and then I'm going to do some more emails and more meetings um, and then I think about the emails I've sent and that would be me asking people to do things following up people who haven't done things and then showing I was doing things <laughs> if anything was urgent we'd still send an email and just mark it urgent as opposed to picking up the phone or walking to someone's desk and then you'd wait for a reply <laughs> Why? Why do we do this? <laughs> so defining urgent is kind of funny because it was rare for me that an activity was time sensitive. These urgent deadlines we almost set for ourselves. There were the occasional items that were urgent if they were linked to maybe technology implementation or a delivery date that was sort of set by um, a regulatory body. But ideally, a lot of what we did wasn't time sensitive so it's a little bit different working in law because you know you're obviously dealing with time sensitive matters um, you could be dealing with criminal matters or w whatever the scenario is so, so it's very different in that environment so I'm really reflecting on the last 10 odd years of the corporate experience and roles that I had I've done all of this it feels like I've done nothing like when I when I'm thinking about shit now I'm looking at that list going, I haven't done anything. I've drunk coffee, I've sent some emails and I've attended some meetings. Anyway, then I close out the day with final meetings and then I get on the bus and go home and then I get home and I work on my thesis or I'm studying, whatever, whatever the situation is. On the way home, I dial into conference calls or I reply to emails. I get home, have my evening, wake up at the crack of dawn and do it all again. What the hell? What was I doing? Even running projects, I'm like, how many emails do you need to send? It's odd shit. <laughs> so that's what you do in a nine to five. You send emails, you follow people up, you ask people to do things, you show people you're doing things and then copy paste. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> On this topic, why do we work five days a week? Who decided five days was the optimal amount of time to work? I saw on TikTok that some countries are trialing the three-day weekend with a four-day work week. I anticipate if this comes to Australia, I don't know if it has, it might have already, but I anticipate that most employers will not opt in. And the rationale that they will use is, you know, these jobs can't be done in four days and you need to be here five to get this job done well. Bullshit. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think the four day work week is a great idea. Um, and I highly doubt that there are many jobs that have to be done in five days. It's probably just the employer's pre uh, preference because even though you're working the four days, you're still getting paid your normal weekly salary, but you're doing extra, extra things on other days. Anyway, I'm passing. I'm enjoying my uh, work week, which is not a work week. So enjoy that. <laughs> I'm taking a hard pass. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my discussion on some of the scary things you need to know and my reflection on what the hell did I do in a nine to five? Join me next week when we talk about social media, 
body image and some of people's worst habits. In the meantime, let's hang out on social media. Hit me up at Aesthetic Vibes Pod or drop me an email at Aesthetics Vibes Podcast at Outlook.com. Until next time, bye.